there, soulmates. So much to talk about on this Wednesday, about halfway back to the weekend, a short week for some. We'll take seeing it. As, seeing as on Memorial Day, you know, mm-hmm. it was an off day for some of us. So we've got uh, some conversations to talk to you about, including a lawyer who is now without a firm after assaulting a black woman and a famous YouTuber, YouTuber rather, who now has to file for bankruptcy. Want to welcome you to Fox Souls Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelide Corte. Plus, the change is being made in Virginia to help those looking for work and seventh grader being labeled a thug for being himself. Mm. They're the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views and our voice. So let's get into our top conversation for today in South Carolina. A gas station owner has been charged with murder after shooting a teenager in the back. The Richland, Richmond, Richland rather, County Sheriff's Department arrested Rick Chow on Monday in connection with the death of a 14 year old Cyrus Carmack Belton. Authorities revealed that Chow suspected the teen of shoplifting water bottles from his store, but later confirmed that the teen did not take anything. During a confrontation, Chow and his son chased after Carmack Belton, and Chow allegedly fired his gun, hitting the teen in the back. The incident, labeled as uh, intentional and not accidental, resulted in the tragic loss of uh, Cyrus Carmack Belton's life. And Courtney, even if he had shoplifted, Uh, Does that warrant shooting somebody in the back? No, and that's what authorities were saying during that press conference, that it did not. I mean, that is absolutely ludicrous. It is. It's ludicrous, and this isn't the first time that there's been um, an incident. Uh, The uh, law enforcement mentions that there was a previous shoplifting incident and and assaults involving Chow and his loved ones, they've occurred at that store, and Mm -hmm. so they just haven't resulted in somebody getting um, shot, you know, but there have been other close calls at this store, and so, you know, this guy sounds like a danger to the community, and so it's a good thing that they did uh, apprehend him. Yeah, and they gave chase uh, and chase this uh, boy all the way, you know, down the street to an apartment complex, so a, 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 a ways away, if you will, from the scene. Uh, and the, it was the son who said, you know, he saw a gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, the father uh, shot uh, this young man uh, in the back. Uh, and of course, he succumbed to his injuries. Now, you know, as far as the child family is concerned, they say they've had plenty of incidents in their store. And so maybe this was, you know, some kind of sort of kind of self-defense or, or fuel by the the fact that there have been incidents in the store before, but again, authorities during that press conference says there is no way that this is any sort of kind of self-defense and that he is being brought up on murder charges. Yeah. Well, moving along, an 11-year-old boy from Mississippi, Darian Murray, who was shot in the chest by a police officer after calling 911, has been released from the hospital. Recalling the incident in an interview, Adarian said he began praying and singing gospel songs, believing that they were his last moments alive. Despite surviving the shooting, Adarian still experiences pain and difficulties breathing. The Mississippi Bureau of Investigation is currently probing the incident and the officer involved. Uh, Greg Capers and has been placed on paid administrative leave. A lawsuit seeking $5 million has been filed by the family who are demanding justice and better police training. Yeah, so, you know, more information has come out because we talked about this story when it first, um, you know, hit uh, the air, if you will, and it was just heartbreaking. Uh, The mother had been having some difficulties with uh, one of her uh, child's father. He came in the, you know, middle of the night, knocking on doors, demanding to see them. And during this response, uh, this uh, baby was uh, shot. And, And what is just even more heartbreaking is 
is throughout this uh, recovery. Um, you know, physically, he says he still feels pain, you know, um, in his chest area, but then mentally, he still sees himself in a coffin. Yeah. And uh, he still really is struggling uh, with all that happened to him. And when you think about the mind of an 11 year old uh, and the capacity to not really be able to understand everything, you know, you just have to continue to pray for his um, mental and emotional well-being. That's right. That's right. I mean, that was a, a significant trauma that he endured. Absolutely. And, and you know, it brings whole, a whole new meaning to the song, No Weapon Formed Against Me Shall Prosper. Mm -hmm. That was the gospel song that he was singing after he was shot to try and calm himself and try and center himself as uh, his mom was, was, was compressing his chest, mm -hmm. trying to keep him from bleeding out uh, too much. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a miracle. It, it is. really is. He's a walking miracle. He is. Yeah. All right, in South Florida, Mark Bartlett, a white man involved in a traffic confrontation with black teenage protesters on Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 2019 has been sentenced to probation. Bartlett pleaded guilty to a hate crime and aggravated assault as part of the deal with prosecutors. The plea agreement also includes conditions such as a 10-year firearm ban, 300 hours of community service and anger management. A racial sensitivity training uh, has been issued as well. Bartlett had previously claimed self-defense, but was found to have acted unreasonably by pulling a pistol on the teenage protesters. Cell phone video captured the incident showing Bartlett brandishing a handgun and shouting racial slurs at the demonstrators. Now, let me just say, Courtney, he is extremely lucky to have stumbled upon a judge that seemed to be extremely lenient. Mm -hmm. uh, Bartlett is 55 years old, and of course, he pleaded guilty to the hate crime, as you mentioned. Um, but you know what he gets for that? All he has to do is perform 300 hours of community service, take anger management classes, racial sensitivity training, uh, and he can't own a gun for the next 10 years. Um, I, it, it's hard for me to believe that if, Bar if Bartlett were black, mm. this story would be different. And I think that judgment would be different. And this seems like a very lenient sentence for somebody, you know, who, um, you know, was in the position to, uh, you know, physically harm folks, was five seconds away from doing that. Um, it, you know, it, of course, this is happening in Florida. How much of this stuff do we report on, you know, in places like Florida, where it looks like they skirt around, you know, what folks in other states would have to pay a heavier price for? Yeah, look, imagine if there was no video. I mean, he got off this lenient with video showing him brandishing a gun, harassing these uh, teenage protesters who seem to be operating within the limits of the law as far as us being in America and being able to protest and talk about how we feel or don't feel. So, you know, him being kind of given this uh, slap on the wrist with video showing how mm. blatant and racist he was being um, really makes one take a back and it really continues to add fuel to the fire that the soulmate should already have lit, especially entering into this uh, election season, paying attention, close attention to what these politicians, black or white, are saying or are not saying in regards to better protecting uh, those who continue to deal with uh, such uh, discrimination and harassment. Yeah, this definitely just doesn't feel like equal justice under the law. But moving along, a viral video shows a black woman accusing lawyer Anthony Orlick of pulling off her wig while she was walking. Take a look. Sir, for what reason? For what reason? For what reason did you take my wig off? Because what, what made you think that that was the good thing to do? No, totally. What made you think that that was the good thing to do? Please, please. For what? 
After the incident gained attention on social media, Orlick was identified by users as the alleged attacker. The firm, Burkon, Coleo, and Silverstein, LLP, terminated Orlick's employment after confirming the incident. The woman, Lizzie Ashley, expressed gratitude for the support and announced her intention to take action against Orlick with the New York Bar Association. And I know, you know, within the culture, we have, you know, a lot of laughs when it comes to, you know, wigs being snatched, whether, you know, you snatch them off yourself or they get snatched off or they fall off. I know, you know, uh, Pastor Sarah Jakes Roberts is, is across uh, the headlines now for a d different type of a, a, a wig gate, if you will. But this here um, really leans into assault. Uh, you know, you, you, you lay in your hands on someone, you're causing some sort of uh, bodily harm, and it may not have been physical harm, but you can see how upset uh, and angered and offended uh, and, and assaulted uh, the uh, victim was. And I call her a victim because I, I feel it was just that, a violation. And, uh, you know, big ups to uh, Twitter universe, to Facebook world, IG for, you know, doing what really, you know, social media has done and continues to do when people are, have, have, have violated folks saying, hey, this is who this is. All right, uh, you know, company he works for or she works for. All right, organization they, they belong to. What you going to do about it? Yeah, and, and I think in less than 12 hours, you know, there was an astronomical yeah. uh, amount uh, of uh, play that this got on social media. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, rightfully so, because at stake here is also the dignity of a person. That's right. And it's important that we lift that up here. You know, when she was shouting back at him, what makes you think it's okay to do that? Mm -hmm. What about this sister walking down the street, minding her own business, her hands to herself, what makes you think it's okay to do that? You know, and, and, and I think that resonates with folks. I think there are a lot of folks across the country and around the world, and perhaps a lot of our soulmates that are watching, that have been in similar situations where, you know, people, people feel entitled to touch our hair, mm -hmm. to touch our skin, you know, uh, to treat us like we're in a petting zoo, mm -hmm. right? In 2023, you don't get to do that, you know? And, and so, you know, uh, big ups to this sister for, speaking truth to power, his employer, and now taking it to the New York Bar Association. Uh, and hopefully next time he'll think before uh, he touches somebody well, I uh, think he without will. their permission. And I think anybody who has the propensity to do something like that uh, will think too, because now you're gonna be dealing with consequences because, you know, who gonna hire him? In theory. In theory. All right. Civil rights organizations, including the Southern Poverty Law Center and the NAACP, have urged President Joe Biden to implement policies protecting undocumented black migrants from deportation. Now, they emphasize the need for executive actions to safeguard individuals from countries facing poverty, persecution or war. Now, the organizations highlight uh, the contributions of long term undocumented immigrants from African and Caribbean diasporas to to society and the economy. Specific requests include temporary protective status for nationals from Sudan, Haiti, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Honduras, and others. They also address disparities faced by black immigrants within the immigration system. Visitors from across the country have flocked to a small town in Missouri to witness the remarkable preservation of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster's body. She passed away in 2019. The Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles, exhumed her body in April and were surprised to find it nearly intact 
and minimally decompose, including her religious habit. Though the discovery was initially meant to be private, news of the extraordinary preservation spread quickly. Local authorities and volunteers are assisting in managing the large crowds. Lancaster's body will soon be placed in a glass shrine at the monastery's church for public viewing. Wow, so initially she was exhumed because they were, they were organizing or putting together a different type of uh, resting place, a, a different type of a shrine, and 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 she was originally in a wooden box, so, so why she would have to be opened up to that extent, I don't know, maybe this was for, for the purpose of what some in Catholicism might consider a, a miracle when you dig a little deep in that thinking in that doctrine, they feel that the lack of deterioration um, kind of brings about this thought that there's some kind of miracle, some, some, some holiness, sort of holiness some mm -hmm. sort of anointing. And, and that may very well uh, may be true. I was just interested as to, you know, how the discovery was made, because you can exhume, you know, and keep them, yeah. you know, intact and then you know, bury them somewhere else, but um, maybe it was meant to be. And this, this is this is a thing. It's really a deep belief. People are taking dirt. You're allowed to take mm -hmm. a few handfuls of dirt from the original grave, and as a keepsake. And they are really coming and laying hands and praying uh, to and for and over this this woman. I mean, it definitely brings black don't crack to a whole nother level, you know. But I don't true. know. There's a part of me that thought this is a little strange. I mean, me like, too. okay, they exhume the body, but like, you know, you all are are, are flocking to her as if if she is, you know, um, a saint, a, you know, but as, as if you're at, you know, a, a, a zoo, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, you're touching the touching all over the body and mm -hmm. taking dirt. I just think it's weird. Yeah. I think it's weird. I think I, it's strange. I think it's weird too. You know, I just don't uh, understand why did they have to open up the coffin? You know, if you, as far as what they were planning on doing, you take it and you take the coffin, you know, and you put, place it to wherever you will place it. I don't understand the opening. Maybe they wanted to make it. I don't know. I, don't, I would give you weird. I don't understand that, but you know, I don't understand why visitors got to touch all on the body. Well, they say where they're going to now encase it. I think it's now they are, but like over eight, so twelve hundred or eighteen hundred folks have already visited this. Like, mm -hmm. I just think it's strange. I agree. I'm going on record saying it's strange. <laughs> I agree. What is it? It's strange. I'm not undermining the belief and the spirituality well, of it all, but I, you know, she should have been kind of like set aside and, and respected to where people, I mean, you're right. They're all up on her and, and everything. It's I, a little creepy. Look, I went to Catholic school. Same here. You know, I never read or said any, <laughs> seen anything like this. I think it's strange. Mm. Still ahead, one short-term rental owner is speaking out and it's causing quite a debate. That's right. We'll tell you why she says she'll never rent to black Americans again. Uh-oh. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. More when we come back. Welcome you back to Fox Hills Black Reports uh, Report. The parents of a seventh grader at Calvary Baptist Private School in Slidell, Louisiana, raised concerns after the principal, Angeline Messman, questioned their son about his braided hairstyle, suggesting it represented gang affiliation. Mm -hmm. The incident came to light when the boy's mother asked him about his day. Despite the hairstyle adhering to school policies, the family decided to transfer him to another school due to the principal's alleged 
with lack of cultural understanding. That might have been best. Research has shown that discriminatory practices targeting cultural expressions such as hair uh, violations disproportionately affect black students and hinder a diverse and equitable learning environment. Oh, how many times <laughs> are we going to go down this road? I mean, again, in 2023, a school principal is asking if that hairstyle, that braided hairstyle has anything to do with a gang affiliation. Mm. Now, I would venture to say this principal probably wouldn't have raised that question if the kid was white. Probably wouldn't happen. You know, and, and these days, let's not act like there aren't white kids out there, you know, with cornrows or, or with braids. Or would she walk up to an NBA player, a star NBA player, and ask him that? There are plenty of those, you know, up and down the court who, who are still wearing braids or that type of style. Listen, there's a problem there. Dug a little deep. So this young boy did not violate any school policy, but they do have rules against uh, locks and afros over a certain height. So they uh, took to put the baby in a new school. Uh, hopefully that school is a safer environment for that young baby to express himself the way he chooses to and the way his parents allow him to. And we move on, but we don't forget that we're still dealing with this nonsense. Well, but I actually wonder about, you know, what's the environment like for black kids that are still at that school where maybe their parents can't afford to move them to another school. You know, I, I think they should take a second look at that policy. I hope that somebody from that school board is watching Foxhole's Black Report, you know, and is inspired to look into this because I agree. you know I absolutely see how that is that can be discriminatory toward black kids mm -hmm. well, right well, who well. are just deciding to wear their hair mm -hmm. you know in 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 a style you know that uh, they choose uh, to wear their hair in yeah. you know I mean this is downright offensive and I actually think the principal's response was cowardice because remember in the story the principal did not initially respond to the parents inquiries they had left, left several messages for the principal and so you know they did what you know good parents do roll up yeah they so, rolled up to the school so, and well, yeah and and removing their child from this school was their solution and I agree that for the parents or the black kids who are left uh, clearly uh, you know you see these policies in, in place and uh, maybe they need to be inspired or encouraged uh, or, or angered enough to roll up on this principle, especially if their child of color, um, you know, remains in that school. Yeah. So yeah, there's, all, there's work to be done on all levels, whether, mm -hmm. whether that child stays or, or goes. So when people talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, this is the kind of stuff that doesn't make us feel like we belong. Mm -hmm. Moving along, the owner of Rustic Mountain Living Rental Company, known as the Barefoot Mountain Lady, shocked social media by stating that she will no longer allow short-term stays due to her frustration with the alleged misbehavior of black American guests. In a TikTok video, take a look. I'm not saying not all black Americans are bad, but the ones that came to my place have been nothing but problem. Only two good ones came here, all of them. Fight late at night, not with me, with each other. They're disrespectful, they're entitled, they're un unappreciative. And it is that way because America has spoiled them and give them so much free But I think they could come to Jamaica and get the free, same free out here and be nasty about it. She expressed her negative experiences with most of the black American guests, describing them as entitled, unappreciative, and disrespectful. The video drew criticism for perpetuating offensive stereotypes and for the owner's lack of hospitality in the hospitality industry. 
Despite the backlash, the owner remained unfazed, laughing off the criticism and showing no remorse for her remarks. Yeah, she said, you know, you can say what you want to say, you can block me, you can, you know, what have you, I said what I said, type of a stance. And look, you know, there might be, you know, some credence to what she's saying. She's not talking about me, Courtney Hicks, Lanier, African-American. I mean, I know how to go somewhere and, and treat something with respect and leave it the way I found it. So she's not talking to me, but obviously this has been her experience. So maybe there are some soulmates out there who need to, you know, check themselves and understand that, you know, there's a level of respect and and you know when you're in another country it, especially and Jamaica's on that hold up a minute check check it list um, as far as travel uh, uh, advisories are concerned to go and just a clown in another country where you're susceptible to you know their culture and and what they deem as you know maybe right or wrong or mannerable or appropriate uh, and not to really sort of kind of adjust or just flat out decency in regards to being in somebody else's space. So I'm not for or against. I understand her point. I'm not that type of soulmate, but I believe that that's been her experience. She owns it. And if she if that's what she chooses to do, then, you know, you're going to have to find someplace else to stay when you go to Jamaica. And hopefully you'll treat that place with some with some respect. Yeah. And if we zoom out a little bit, I mean, it's not unusual for this to be a criticism that Americans get abroad. Right. And so this isn't just limited Her. to Jamaica or right. the Caribbean. Right. There are plenty of stories uh, that we see in the news, you know, of Americans behaving badly abroad. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I certainly don't think that, you know, black Americans, some black Americans in Jamaica are any different, you know, but it's important to point out that in the video, you know, she said, I'm not talking about all black Americans. That's my right? whole point. And so for all the people that, you know, Jumped where the, the cortisol throat. levels yeah. are gone up, people rolling up their sleeves, you know, ready to fight, you know, she's not trying to pick a fight with all black Americans. Blanket, she's just saying right. the ones that have, that she has experienced, exactly. you know, that have come to her property, you know, um, you know, have, have left her with a bad taste in her mouth. And, you know, uh, we're heading into the summertime where, you know, people are going to be taking vacations to all sorts of places, including Jamaica. And so mm -hmm. this is just a reminder, you know, be a good guest. Mm -hmm. Be a good guest wherever it is that you go. Job opportunities for our soulmates in Virginia just got better thanks to Governor Youngkin. The governor has set in place a policy that will make a big change in the hiring process as he has eliminated the requirement or preference that applicants for many executive branch jobs have a higher education degree. Now, the governor says this will improve hiring processes, expand possibilities and career paths for job seekers and enhance the ability to deliver quality service. I mean, look, it's important that we give credit where credit's due. Mm -hmm. uh, governor Youngkin, Republican governor of Virginia, um, is doing something that governors in other parts of the country are doing or, or thinking about doing. Um, the former uh, governor of Maryland, Governor Hogan, also Republican, did something similar in Maryland. Uh, we know that the, there are governors uh, in other places across the country, including Utah, Colorado, North Carolina, New Jersey, that are considering doing uh, you know similar uh, legislation. And even, this is how bipartisan this is, because hmm. sometimes a good idea is a good idea. Former President Barack Obama in March, you know, he tweeted, here's an example of a smart policy that gets rid of unnecessary college degree requirements and reduces barriers for good paying jobs. I hope other states follow suit. Uh, and this was him responding to a report that the governor of Utah, Pennsylvania, and Alaska were following Maryland's lead. And so this is a good thing. Uh, this is a good thing. I beg to differ. 
And I beg to differ as, uh, you know, the soulmates who are on the other side of a degree who were told this is what you do to do better and to get better and to move along in your career. This is what you need, who still are paying uh, student loans on top of student loans uh, for that degree to now say, ah, you don't really need one. It's cool. You know, so that's where I stay. I appreciate it. It's going to give others opportunities to, you know, come into situations that that maybe they would have never been able to, uh, you know, assess, if you will. But I also think it's kind of like a, a slap in the face for those who, who who went the American way, which is get your education so you can move up uh, in your career. And I also think it might affect salaries. You know, if you don't have a, a you know, most times you get the higher salaries because you are degreed. How, is, it, is, it a, is it a play to bring down these salaries? I don't know. I just think it's it's a little bit more loaded. That's it's, all I'm saying. That's a good question on the salaries, but you know what? It isn't all jobs. You know, it's it's making a lot more jobs available without the college degree requirement. Which is a good thing, you know, however. Right? And so as long as it's not all jobs, right? So that college degree is still going to be valuable uh, for, so. for those other jobs. But uh, this is going to create opportunities for some soulmates out there. Moving along, there's new research that shows a link between racial bias and AI technology in major industries. Those looking to expand artificial intelligence often point to its potential to stimulate economic growth, increase productivity, lower costs, and create jobs. But experts are also concerned that the growth could exacerbate racial and other inequities, saying that there is ample evidence of discriminatory harm that AI can cause to already marginalized groups. Plus, its experts say that bias is in the data that's used to train AI with often unrepresentative data for people of color, women, and more. Yeah, you and I, Nicole, we had a big conversation about this as this topic really begins or continues to, to dominate, uh, you know, conversations. Um, listen, I, the AI, I really don't have too much of a, of a problem with it. We're already living in the age of AI, whether we recognize it or not. Um, should it be programmed to the point to where it's 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 taken you know it's taking away from the human experience or the human touch uh, I got a little problem with that and then I don't really blame the AI I blame the you know the programmers what are, what are these people who who are putting these AI programs and all this coding together what kind of implicit biases are they bringing uh, to the programming uh, in regards to, to, to the results whether it's some kind of poll or research or whatever the the, the AI is doing to sort of kind of um, you know mess with with the results where we're getting um, the type of uh, implicit bias that we're getting so I I, I, I go back to the, to the to the creators and and their mindset and their intention or lack thereof in regards to the yeah. results that we're getting in regards to AI. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note that that this technology is not neutral. Mm -hmm. And we oftentimes talk about technology as if it is neutral. So you're right, the programmers are not neutral, and so therefore what they're programming cannot be neutral. I mean, we're living, we continue to live in the age where technology is transforming how we live. It's mm -hmm. always been the case. You know, think about before we had the automobile, before we had a microwave oven. Even right here in the studio as we're bringing this show to you, you know, our cameras are powerful 
powered by robots. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, there are human beings that input what they need to do, right? But they're powered by robots. And so technology is always evolving, but we just gotta make sure we do it in a way that has a respect for human life, that has a respect for, you know, the dignity that people find in work, because you know, if we have technology doing everything, you know, at some point, well, what are we gonna be doing? Yeah, I don't know, and, and maybe a part of the answer is to make sure that the AI programming coding department is diverse. <laughs> so we can, you know, balance out, you know, or rid ourselves of the of the implicit bias, which seems to be a big part of this conversation in regards to the development or the evolution, if you will, of, of AI. So we're going to have to keep our, our, our eyes on it and our hands in it because this is the future and the future is now. And our stage manager, Steve, is definitely in person <laughs> and he's telling us to move on. Love you, Steve. Coming up, a family making history on Wheel of Fortune. That's right. We'll introduce you to the grandma and her grandson who stole America's heart while winning a whole lot of money. Uh-huh, we're gonna tell you all about it. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Be right back. Welcome back to Fox Hole's Black Report. Well, remember Christian Cooper? Yeah, he's the black bird watcher who was falsely accused in 2020 by a white woman of harassment in New York Central Park. Well, now Cooper has scored a TV show airing on National Geographic Channel. The Net Geo uh, Network recently made the announcement saying Cooper will guide viewers into the world of bird watching. A premiere date has not been released just yet. There will be six episodes that are in the works now. And the uh, New York Times is reporting all of this good news. Mm -hmm. Cooper, who is 59, became an avid bird watcher at age 10, mm. growing up on Long Island, and wants to share his passion for studying birds, a branch of zoology named uh, ornithology. And you, you learn something new every day. Talk about poetic justice out there, minding his business. And this is the case where wasn't a woman doggone near choking the dog to death uh -huh. on, on the leech? Talk about uh, poetic justice and when, you know, something sometimes that, that has a tendency to, to be uh, tragic or very dark in your life, how, you know, the universe will turn that thing around and make it work for your good. Uh, I, this has to be exciting. Um, it's, 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 his, it's, it's a hobby that now is turned into a, a career. He's going to be appreciated for it. He's going to get a bag for it. And it doesn't get any more elevated than the National Geographic Network. Yeah, I yeah. mean, listen. I mean, I'm just really excited that he has, he has made that a teachable moment for mm -hmm. so many. You know, that experience that, um, you know, had to be uh, uh, trying and mm -hmm. traumatic in some ways. You know, he has, he has turned that pain into power, mm -hmm. you know, and he's going to be introducing so many more soulmates, so many of us to the thing that he loves, bird watching. He's been doing it since he was 10. I think he's also part of the Autobahn Society, and I know that they've internally been struggling, you know, around whether or not to distance themselves from one of their, their founders, you know, who, you know, was an alleged sort of white supremacist. And so I know that he, as a leader within that organization, has played a role in those conversations. Yeah. And so it's really good to see him, you know, using all of the attention um, to 
try and move us all forward. Yeah, and, and that's a, my takeaway is, and I've been in this situation before, don't be so quick to run from the broken places. That, how he was um, uh, offended, if you will, or accused was a broken place, but he stood in that thing very still uh, and with a lot of dignity while she choked her dog and, and went through her one, two, one, two, and, and God did the fix on it. And now he has his own show on, on the Nat Geo uh, channel. And, and it just it just doesn't get any better than that. So big ups to him. Let's talk now about some black girl magic. Sarah Mensa made history when she became the first black woman vice president at Nike uh, North America. Now she has been promoted to the executive to president of Jordan brand. This creates another footnote in history as she becomes the first woman to serve in this role and the first black woman to become Jordan Brand president. Years before Mensa made her mark at Jordan Brand and Nike, uh, she worked as the vice president and chief operating officer of the Portland Trail Blazers from 2009 to 2012. During her time in that role, the Trail Blazers revenue grew by about 105 uh, percent. And I think uh, Nike is up in that area. So uh, she's probably been on display for a while as far as her her goods are concerned. And now Nike is saying, hey, come on over here and make this thing happen for us. This is great. I mean, I think this is great. And, and you know, at a time where oftentimes you see you know, black women in particular elevated along the diversity, the diversity track to, mm -hmm. you know, chief diversity officers mm -hmm. or chief diversity equity inclusion officer. And that is important work. I don't in any way mean to diminish that work. Right. You know, but sometimes, you know, that's as, as, as far up as we can go. Uh, and so it's good to see uh, her, you know, playing a leadership role with such an important brand in Nike. Um, I, I, you know, on a different side of the house. I think that is uh, an incredible feat. Doesn't happen by itself. Uh, she got to be a bad sister. Yeah. And so congratulations and to Ms. And if you've got Mensa. some time this week or maybe into the weekend, we just watched the uh, movie Air that's uh, on uh, Prime uh, mm -hmm. Video. A great behind the scenes story. It's only an hour and some change as to how the whole Michael Jordan uh, Nike um, partnership uh, came about. There was really no woman on the forefront of that with the exception of Michael's mother who headed that entire deal, which was which was monumental and has made Michael the billionaire that he is. And I'm from Detroit, and we used to say Nikes back in the day. So that's oh. why sometimes I get oh, okay. caught yeah, up yeah, in the yeah. pronunciation. I was doing that down south, and they were like, Nikes. I was like, <laughs> cool it. I'm from the Midwest. All right, as we move on. <laughs> well, the United Negro College Fund is expanding its Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship to help HBCU students. The center's objectives are to build, grow, support, and nurture partner ventures through a multi-pronged approach of education, development, mentoring, and financial support through scholarships and grants and business funding for innovators and entrepreneurs. The UNCF Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship is tapping into today's trends and providing the necessary support to help student innovators, especially those students of color who may not have had exposure or resources to achieve business success. And a grandma and grandson from Mississippi have made history on Wheel of Fortune. Retta Alexander and her grandson Julian are celebrating having taken home the jackpot on the popular TV game show that's been running for forever. Uh, after undergoing a rigorous selection process that involved virtual interviews, the grandmother, 
grandson duel was granted the opportunity to travel to California and compete on the renowned television program. Alexander's hard work and determination paid off as she skillfully navigated the game, eventually securing a $50,000 bag. Go ahead, Grandma. That's amazing. Go we ahead. Like to see it. That's awesome. Grandma that's awesome. And grandson. That's awesome, and that's a memory that they will hold on to forever. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, when my maternal grandmother, Addie Mae mm -hmm. Thomas, may she rest in peace, when she came to visit us in California, um, I remember uh, she she loved crossword puzzles, mm -hmm. and she got me into crossword puzzles, and so we would sit up there in the bed, and she'd be doing her crossword puzzle, and I'd be doing my crossword puzzle, and so you know, it's just those sorts of memories. You so know, you were, you were a professor when you were two years professor old. Professor huh? in the making. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and that uh, grandson-grandma uh, duel there are from uh, Moss Point, Mississippi, which is uh, over there by Biloxi and not too far from Mobile. So those are my old stomping grounds, some, a, a great area, great food, great people. And so I know they are like hometown heroes right about I now. I believe it. And everybody probably asking for a little bit of, after Uncle Sam, asking for a little bit of that, uh, hometown bit of that bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's good at home. Still ahead, still ahead. There are reports that Jamie Foxx is making a okay. speedy recovery. But what's he doing for the community that has everyone talking right about now? We'll tell you so, mates, uh, for his big return uh, to his hometown and what he's doing for them. When we return, we'll talk more about it. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Souls Black Report. Well, YouTube vlogger Tasha Kay has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy following her loss against Cardi B. Earlier this week, Cardi took to uh, took the, the the vlogger to court over slander and defamation. A judge ruled in Cardi's favor, forcing Tasha Kay to pay the New York rapper for uh, over four million dollars. Tasha Kay has taken the uh, YouTube page several times, taken to the YouTube page several times to say she can't pay the money, which has led her to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And I kind of turn my head because um, we've talked a lot about this. And um, I think Tasha K is, is it, look, Cardi B is just as relentless as Tasha K is being relentless. And Cardi rightfully B wants, so. wants her money. And rightfully just so. Just as much as Tasha K is saying, I don't have it to pay it. Just hush. You know what? Tasha, and I can appreciate Tasha K's climb. I've watched it. You know, we started from the bottom, now we're here. But with this situation where the courts have sided on, on, that per, on the other person's uh, side and you're going to have to pay up, you know, just hush. You play silly games, hush. you win silly prizes. And that's what's happening, right? And you know what? Hush, I hush. salute Cardi B, you know, for pushing forward because Tasha K didn't, didn't let up. She had, there were plenty of off ramps for her mm -hmm. before things got to be litigious, before, you know, things got serious in court. You know, she was never apologetic about what she had done. And so, you know what? You know, Cardi B called her card and said, I'm going to hold you accountable in court and did so and won mm -hmm. and is actually uh, enforcing the judgment, having them enforce the, the judgment. And so it's a, it's a cautionary tale about, you know, watching your mouth, you know, because mm -hmm. sometimes your mouth will write a check that you're what? Can't cash. You're behind. You're behind. And so I just want Tasha K to carry on. 
Tasha K, but just hush, at least about this, just hush. Well, hush and pay up, that's what Cardi B says. <sighs> All right, Jamie Foxx is out of the hospital and is recovering, but being sick is not enough to stop him from giving back. The Academy Award winning actor worked with uh, his close friend, Gilbert Willie, to set up the new courts at Breezy Hill Park. Breezy Hill Park is located in Jamie's hometown of Terrell, Texas. The lighted courts feature Terrell High School's red color scheme. Fox's name is on the uh, center of each court. Surface, Foxhole, uh, Believe and Achieve. Terrell Fighting Tigers and Gilbert Willie Charities are also written near the court's sidelines. Meanwhile, there are reports that Jamie Foxx is making a speedy recovery. Look, nothing is going to stop Jamie Foxx, you know, from doing what he do does best, which is giving, giving of his, his time, his talent, and his treasure. He's never forgotten where he comes from. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a reminder that no matter what we're going through, you know, we can always find something to give, mm -hmm. right? And look at him, you know, extending, uh, you know, his increase in service to where he comes from. I just think, you know, it's terrific. And it's even better news to know that Jamie Foxx is making a speedy recovery. As you know, we've reported right here on Foxhole's Black Report about, you know, um, his uh, illness uh, and the fact that we still don't know for sure what it is, but it doesn't matter because he's getting better each and every day. And, uh, you know, he, he's also a walking miracle yeah, because it's, a, it's been so touch and go. I think it's a great give back. I know Shaq has done something similar. I just was reading that in the headlines as well. But I, I you know, and, and recreationally, uh, young people need some place to go to stay off and out of the streets. Uh, so I think, you know, basketball has always been that go-to football sports, uh, what have you. But I just think there needs to be a balance with the give back, maybe a, a building uh, that's renovated. And it's a, it's a library where all the books that they're trying to ban <laughs> are in this library where the kids can also go. For those who might not be so athletically inclined, can also go to, to um, you know, have some recreational um, activity, whether it be after school or during the summer. So I love the give back. And this has nothing, give back. This has nothing to do with Shaq or Jamie. But I'd just like to see a little bit more of a balance with the type of recreational activity um, structured for these young people. Yeah, it's good yeah. to see. Keep up the good work, Jamie. Mm -hmm. Moving along, there was a moment on the Sherry Shepard show that stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> and made me look at the TV. She lost her wig, literally, take a look. I just, I just, I was so inspired by Sarah Jiggs because I know how that happens. And so and she just inspires so many people. Everybody jumped up and the wig, and the This was actually a show of solidarity for a preacher who went viral over the weekend for having a wig slip during her sermon. Now, the, the preacher, Sarah Jakes Roberts, who was giving a passionate sermon in Texas over the weekend, when her wig began to slide off. Now, instead of running off stage, she took it off and kept going. Sherry went on to explain that she was inspired by how Roberts just powered through it. Yeah, a lot of folks have, have already been in love with Sarah Jakes Roberts uh, for a very long mm -hmm. time. Her testimony is is unmatched and her rise and her evolution uh, through the ranks of, of, of dad's uh, church and beyond has just been amazing. So I've been listening to her from the very, very beginning and she is just uh, awesome. And uh, for her to take a moment like this and for it to still 
you know, the message is still messaging even through. I knew at the when I saw it, I was like, this is about to be a viral moment. And she has uh, taken it and has, has ran with it herself. Um, um, I just didn't want what Sherry was doing to be too animated. I just think Sherry could have just sat there and just took the wig off and say, you know what, you know, for the next few minutes, I'm, I'm going to, you know, pay homage to, to, to Pastor Jake's and Roberts and take my wig off too and do this part of the show without a wig. So the antics kind of threw me off a little bit, but I appreciate and understand uh, the solidarity and it's a great teaching moment. I'm hoping that people, you know, tune in that would have never tuned in or don't maybe are not familiar with uh, Sarah and that ministry and now will not only see that viral moment, but will listen to the yeah. message. Yeah, and, and, and what a great message it was. Um, very much like the messages of her father, Bishop mm -hmm. T.D. Jakes, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he has really passed the baton over to Sarah Jakes. And she's done an incredible job. It, you know, those are big shoes to fill. But one of the things I love about Sarah Jakes is that she's authentic. She's mm -hmm. authentically herself. Mm -hmm. And so that moment when that wig was sliding back, right? That was real. She handled that in a way that was true to how she would uh, handle things. Um, you know, other things that, that may uh, happen on stage in real time. And so um, you're right. I hope a lot more people yeah. check in, tap in mm -hmm. uh, to and her when you go, when you go glueless, you have to stay alert <laughs> and vigilant when you go glueless. All right. I don't know anything about that I ministry. do. <laughs> a third man has been charged in the shooting death of Run DMC's uh, Jam Master Jay, who was killed back in 2002. Wow. A grand jury indicted 49-year-old Jay Bryant in the 2002 death of the hip-hop legend whose real name was Jay, is Jason Mazel. Uh, he was already in custody on unrelated drug charges. Two other men were previously indicted uh, on the uh, deadly recording store shooting. Investigators say DNA evidence found at uh, the scene led them to this particular uh, man by the name of uh, Bryant. Uh, long, long withstanding case. And uh, it's just reminiscent of, you know, who shot Biggie, who shot Pac, you know? And it's also a reminder you can run, but you can't hide, mm -hmm. right? I mean, how many years later after, after this murder, you know, have, you know, they found this sort of third suspect. And so, you know, we hope that justice is served. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, up next, y'all already know what it is. Oh. Black excellence. Oh, we're going to introduce you to one of the youngest professors and what he managed to accomplish while teaching. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. 28-year-old Dr. Eli Joseph is the youngest black professor to simultaneously teach at Columbia, what? NYU, what? and UCLA. What? Mm -hmm. Okay, he also gave the ceremonial speech to the class of 2023 graduates uh, at the School of Professional Studies at both Columbia and NYU. Despite his distinguished accomplishments, Dr. Joseph, who you see here, is no stranger to failure and rejection as he's been turned down by more than 1,500 employers, 30 colleges, and 75 scholarship foundations. Yeah, through it all, he uses his failures as fuel for motivation to succeed. He recently delivered two TEDx talks, mm. and today he serves as an associate faculty in the Applied Analytics Program at Columbia University School of Professional Studies. And he's only 28? Only 28. That's a, that's a and tested, tried, and true 28. It. It's probably the beard. <laughs> he looks a little bit more mature than 28. But and check hugs. out that robe. Check out that robe. You know, so one of the things I was I was mentioning earlier is that 
you 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 always wear that robe. Mm -hmm. So whether you teach at you know NYU, Columbia, UCLA, it looks like he's wearing a Columbia robe. Mm -hmm. uh, he will always wear that if he participates in commencement. That's the way it works. So it's your undergrad or your graduate degree you're, that you're, you oh. your graduate oh. right. Well. And your oh graduate degree yeah. robe. Yeah. Oh, obviously I'm not too familiar. I had mm -hmm. I had a choir I had a choir robe. You know that I could I could probably wear it if I get ever get invited to speak at a graduation or would they give me one? I did speak at a graduation once, yeah. but I had on their robe. They'll give you a robe, yeah. and, so, and if you have your master's, you'll wear the same stole, mm -hmm. uh, and if you have your doctorate, you'll wear the robe from your home university. Oh, that never changes. I never knew that mm -hmm. that there was some little decorum involved in that. Sure oh, so is. that's why when you see those those clips that everybody in the back has on a different color uh -huh. robe. Oh, uh -huh. okay, Dr. Nick Cortez. <laughs> but you know, his look really great, but it's just a reminder that no matter how credentialed you are, how many degrees that you have, mm -hmm. you know, it's still hard out it's there, right? I mean, look at how many, you know, applications he's had to put out in order to, to land where he's landed. And so, well, shout out know. to that brother. Amazing work, good amazing work. He didn't even be my professor, though. He was on the handsome side. <laughs> I'd have zero pointed that class, trying to get all that attention. Bye, Office Courtney. hours and everything. Bye. Moving on. <laughs> There's a new veteran-owned restaurant in Lake Wales, Florida that's making quite the splash. It's not only uh, veteran-owned, but also uh, black and female-owned, and she says she's happy to fill a void in the area. Take a look. It's a whole different vibe in here. Wales Point Restaurant and Bar sits in downtown Lake Wales. I took this road, opening up a restaurant, and it's probably the scariest thing in life. <laughs> My initial vision was just to have the restaurant and bar. I did not think that I was gonna have the amount of entertainment that I have. Owner Tiffany Davis says it's become a much needed hub for live acts in the area. Jazz was my thing, like I really love jazz. So at the beginning when we first started having our live entertainment, it was just jazz and blues. And then I was like, okay, everybody doesn't listen to jazz and blues. We gotta switch it up. So I started switching it up. Then I had pop and I had a little rock, light rock. I've had country. I have comedy shows. The live entertainment may get folks in the door, but it's the food that keeps them coming back. I have a simplified menu. I didn't want to do too much. Uh, fine dining was not in my list of things to do. Primarily serve American cuisine um, with southern style dishes. Most popular dish is probably our shrimp and grits. And the cooking is in her blood. That right there is the logo for Wells Point. Um, in the middle is my grandmother. My grandmother um, is a big uh, part of uh, who I am today. Another big part is the military. Actually joined on my birthday in 2002. Tiffany joined the U.S. Army. It's where she was trained to be a food service specialist. She served in the U.S. and Korea before being deployed to Iraq. She eventually retired as a staff sergeant. My leadership skills have helped me a lot. Um, it's helped me maintain good, em good employees. Tiffany says there's always an open seat at the bar for a fellow veteran. I said, come on, let's, you know, we can sit down, we can talk. We'll probably talk about the military all day. It doesn't matter what branch you're in. A veteran-owned spot bringing great food and good times to the people of Polk County. Knowing that I'm able to fill that void of entertainment is probably the most joy I'm going to have out of anything. 
put this package in the show, knowing we are hungry when we sit at this desk. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. but you know amazing. what? And so many things on the menu. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw chicken. I saw uh, sushi. Yeah. You know, I saw. Been uh, playing jazz. You right? Yeah. You know, I heard some hip hop. Yeah. You're not bad. Not bad at all. all. Right. Okay. If we see. Ever, I'm down we see in that you, area. Lake Wales. Yeah. If ever, I'm down in that area. I'm definitely. Road cool. trip. Road trip. Definitely. Road, well, oh, but it's in Florida. So mm, that's tricky. well, oh, well that's tricky. But, but no, we got to support the folks that remember we had that conversation. Oh, yeah. We have to go about supporting the folks who don't necessarily support the nonsense, but live there and still have businesses there. So that's it's important. okay to support. Let's support her. But just be mindful when you go into Florida, it's like the wild, wild west in the east. So you say. For the full rundown on today's stories and more, you can access Fox Soul's video on demand and any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other uh, black-centered content. And don't forget, Soulmates, to download the Fox app. It is free. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelia Corte. On behalf of the entire team here at Fox Soul's Black Report, stay lifted. And stay safe. We'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs>